God's word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. Hi, I'm Dave Lindner. It's good to be here today. We are thinking about Mark and his sons today. They are at a father-son camp. And so that's kind of cool. So here we are without Pastor Mark, but we're going to have some fun. We're going to read these scriptures. So those four things, we're going to kind of do those today. The early Christians devoted themselves to those four things. The apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So the breaking of bread is our Eucharist celebration that we're going to do later and prayer. Nathan's going to lead us through that. The first two, we're going to read some of the apostles' teachings. And uh, Sam and I are going to do that. And we're going to have a little time of reflection in between the different readings. So first I want to start off with just a little background Uh, that passage that we just read about the early Christians and how they devoted themselves to those four things. Uh, Some of the most exciting stuff in Acts happens right before that. So I just want to give you a little background. Uh, And You might have heard these stories before, but Jesus appeared to his disciples after he rose from the dead. They hung out with them, 500 of them saw him, and before he rose up, he said, you will be my witnesses, so I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit to come, and they did, and they were all waiting together, and God's Spirit showed up, and there was, there was a, a sound like a hurricane, rushing wind, and there was fire, and they all started speaking in other languages, and it was Pentecost, so there was all these visitors there from all over the place and they were all amazed and asking questions why why is everyone speaking in our language there's all these many languages and they could understand what the apostles were saying and some of them were a little skeptical and they said they're drunk and then Peter this unlettered fisherman this rough guy stands up and starts addressing the crowd and says, they're not drunk, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Let me, let me tell you what's going on. And he quotes from the prophet Joel and he boldly begins preaching in a way that maybe Peter had never done. And he starts telling everyone, this is what's happening. Joel spoke about it. God is pouring out his spirit on all people and it's because of Jesus. This guy that was confusing to everybody and it ended up you killed him well here's what's going on he was the Lord's Messiah the anointed one the one we've all been waiting for and you killed him so all these people are there and the Bible says they were cut to the heart 
And they said, what do, we, what do we do? And Peter says, repent. Turn away from your selfish way of living. Give yourselves to Jesus and his grace. Recognize that Jesus offers you baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And so 3,000 people got baptized, joined this new group that they started calling The Way, and that's what happened right before this passage that we read. So that's the group. Has anyone started watching the AD on TV? It's all about this time period, right? AD, Anno Domini, right? And uh, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty dramatic. But that's, that's what's going on right before they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So we are going to read from a couple passages, and then I'll have a minute of silent reflection in between. The first one is Acts 3, 12 to 26, and it's the teaching of Peter. And I think it's behind me. When Peter saw this, what Peter had seen was he healed someone and everyone was coming in and grabbing onto them and trying to worship them. And Peter, Peter's reacting to the people trying to worship him. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this by faith in the name of Jesus. This man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he says. He tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days, and you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you 
from your wicked ways. Moment of silence. James taught the people by saying this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have. So you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that, the je that he jealously longs for the Spirit he has caused to dwell in us. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Spend a moment in silence. We turn now from devotion to the Apostles' teaching to devotion to the fellowship. Uh, shortly after that passage in Acts, when the church uh, begins sharing uh, fellowship, devoting themselves to the Apostles' teaching in the city of Jerusalem, uh, persecution breaks out against the church. It's a small community. It really only is at that point located in Jerusalem. And uh, one of the, the members of the church, Stephen, is killed for his faith, and the church begins to scatter. And uh, there's a man named Saul, also named Paul, who is a religious zealot, basically, and decides that he's going to stamp out this, this new movement of the way. 
this Christian church, and he gets himself deputized to go city to city and track down the believers to have them put to death. Uh, he has an encounter on a road where Jesus appears to him um, and sends him to a disciple. He, he basically blinds him, sends him to somebody else to be prayed for, to have his vision restored, and he becomes who we know as the Apostle Paul, uh, who goes out among many nations uh, proclaiming the gospel. So he had been one who was devoted to the destruction of the fellowship, and the three passages we're about to read all come from his pen, uh, his letters to three churches, as he is helping to build up the fellowship that he once was seeking to destroy. So we turn first to his letter to the church in Rome, in chapter 12. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. On a similar theme, find his letter to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians. And this was a church that was tearing itself apart with petty fights and picking different leaders that they favored. Uh, Paul says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, 
but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. We turn now to Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Uh, This was a church that Paul had been involved in planting. It was a young church, not unlike city life, probably around seven years old. We're not not sure, but uh, it was working through its own understanding of what it means to have leaders in the church and where other people are and, and how do they avoid a worldly way of putting leaders on a pedestal of uh, making false idols out of leaders and realizing that every part, including leadership, everybody is essential and serving the others, not putting themselves above others. So beginning in verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind and teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And now if you'll all join me in prayer It's in the worship guide if it's not on the screen. Almighty God, you have built your church on the foundation...